All right, howlers, let's get howling. But first, a couple quick warnings. First warning, this podcast contains adult content. Don't be a pixie. Second warning, this podcast contains spoilers for the entire Red Rising Saga. (laughs) Red Rising Saga. (laughs) (laughs) Oh, no. Don't forget to follow us on Instagram, Twitter, Facebook, Etsy, email, howlerpod at gmail.com. Visit us at howlerpod.com and subscribe to our YouTube channel. I'm still raising the roof. (laughs) (laughs) Did you see the TikTok where it's like, we know you're old because your hands are in the air? (laughs) Like you just don't care? Shit. Sorry, Ben. Just got posted up. And rate and review us. Five stars only. If you don't give us five stars only then we will make you stand trial in mm. front of not your peers. <laughs> <laughs> A jury of people that hate you. Yes. And now, Howler Pod. Oh! I didn't turn you over to Romulus because I delighted in your suffering. I did it because I was young, blind. But most of all, I was afraid. Hello, Howlers! Welcome to HowlerPod, your podcast for all things Red Rising, where every episode we dive deep to break down, celebrate, and discuss all aspects of the fantastic Red Rising saga by Howler number one, Pierce Brown. Ow, ow! I am your host, Ben Reiner. I am joined today, as always, by the amazing Aaron Ayers. Hello, Howlers! Aaron, what are we doing today? Lightbringer reread chapters 55 to 62. I heard a rumor that there's a special guest on this episode. What the fuck? Somebody wise? Somebody wonderful? Is it Heather? It is! I can't wait. Heather Madsen will be joining us later on. But first... Let's load up the star shell and shoot straight into our chapter summaries. Chapter 55. Hopefully, we don't shit our suits. Hope not. It'd be embarrassing when Heather's here. Don't do it in front of Heather (laughs) or in the same room as me. (laughs) Thank you. Chapter 55. Darrow, demigod. The bill from the last chapter is coming due. (laughs) 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 Sorry, bills. Go Chiefs. The bill is coming due in the form of four Republic assault dropships filled with obsidians, scarred, scarred, <laughs> and the rest of his crew are on the way. Darrow has Cassius get behind him. He's got a plan. As the boys are surrounded by the obsidians, Darrow, res- Darrow reveals himself to their surprise. Could it really be Tirmorga? They debate amongst themselves. Scarred is skeptical. But his less greedy son, Sigurd, is more convinced. A couple of braves attack Darrow and he dispatches them quickly, but maybe with a little too much flair as he pulls a hammy in the process. (laughs) He's getting old. (laughs) No one else is interested in testing him any further. Sigurd approaches and bares his throat. Darrow lets them know why he is here. He is declaring Ashvar on Fa. He's come to kill him. Scarred is like... That's not going to happen, bro. Uh, he would never even fight you. Sigurd is trying to convince his father, Scard, that they uh, should listen to Darrow and help him. But he is cut off as sniper fire rings out all around him. Cassius and Darrow hit the dirt as the obsidians take cover. 
Chapter 56, Darrow, Dust Mice. In the chaos, figures are jumping around, killing obsidians, and being killed by the obsidians. But who is it? It's Severo and the daughters. <laughs> Cassius and Darrow run over and take Scarded captive, turning off his suit and hanging him by his helmet horns over the magma river. And Darrow's like, hey, I have your Jarl. <laughs> and everyone's fighting, fighting. And he's like, he's heavy. <laughs> Nobody listens to Darrow. Then the Archimedes races in with guns ablazing. Lyria is flying, but who is so deadly accurate on those guns? Mm, who could it be? Pew, pew, pew. The fighting finally stalls thanks to the Archie, and Darrow addresses the Obsidians. He gives them a big guilt trip speech about <laughs> breaking oaths and being bad boys. Very bad boys. How dare you? He says, tell Fa to expect me. He gives them Skarda and heads into the Arky. We find out that the gloomy bastard, <laughs> Diomedes, that was my Irish accent for Lyria. Diomedes was on the guns. Diomedes is just like good at everything. He's very good at everything. Up, uh, aboard the Arky also are the prisoners that the Obsidians tried to take, the daughters, our crew, and then one Obsidian wanders in with Severo, it's Sigurd. He surrendered to Severo because he doesn't like Fa. Cassius then takes off and we fly to Europa to see Athena in the deep. Chapter 57, Lyria, Lamps and the Storm. The Archimedes flies down to Europa as Lyria makes her way into the brig to question Sigurd. She wants some info on Volga, and he tells her that Volga was given a command on Callisto. She participated in the destruction and led her own soldiers. Our Volga? She's all in for this spa shit, apparently. apparently. Uh, Lyria cannot believe what she is hearing. Lyria leaves the brig and finds herself at the viewport watching the descent into Europa outside the window. She's watching a leviathan swim by. A big-ass fish. Uh, Severo appears with his toenails. <laughs> oh, my God. <laughs> yeah. And it's quite an image. I can't be it's, around that. It's tough. That's how he hangs on without <laughs> magnetic boots. The toenail bit from Severo, Severo is just fantastic. Severo appears and he starts talking to Lyria about the Leviathan that she just saw at the window. He gives her some backstory on Seraxes, the greatest Leviathan of them all. Severo and Lyria snipe back and forth a bit before Severo asks her about being at the birth of Ulysses. Lyria gives it to him straight, telling him what he wants to know and that Volga was there helping the whole way. Lyria then calls Severo out on some of his shitty behavior and tells him that she thinks he is afraid to let people down. That's why he won't wear Ares' helm anymore. Uh, Severo considers this and tells her, you know, wearing it really ate me up. Lyria tells a story about her dad and how he used to inform on other Reds. She used to hate him for it, but now she sees it as a man doing what he thought was best. She can't hate him, but it does make her sad because he accepted his prison. Does Severo have to do the same thing? I don't know. Chapter 58, Lyria, Europa. We land on an island on Europa. The whole group departs except Cassius, who decides to stay behind on the Arky. He's like, 
what good's a getaway ship <laughs> if there's no pilot? Which makes sense. That's a great point. The daughters take Darrow and everyone else down to the deep. They board a submarine shuttle and strap in. As they are descending, which, by the way, this reminded me of Lyria on a different shuttle when <laughs> things started going wrong. Mm. She's like, what the fuck? Yeah, that is a good point. So instead of going up, they're going down. Mm -hmm. uh, Lyria notices the big guys are all yawning a lot and Severo's struggling to stay awake. Something's off. Then they land and Lyria looks out the window and sees daughters walking by with big heavy chains wonder who that's for Lyria shouts a warning but it's too late gas saron scene i can't remember nailed it it's a hard word yeah gas for the golds is knocking them out Lyria can't break out of her seatbelt and she drops her gun as she tries to fire it at the big crusty red chion mm -hmm. chion is being a baddie she starts punching darrow in the <laughs> face with a metal gauntleted hand lyria's screaming ari is able to slip her restraints and grabs lyria's gun she fires it overhead and is screaming at chian and ari's crying but chian won't stop and then finally athena comes in and she's like what the fuck are you doing chian <laughs> and chian's like i'm sorry <laughs> So Athena diffuses the situation, but she says to Lyria, this is justice. Mm -hmm. It's happening. Chapter 59, Darrow, Athena. Darrow wakes up chained in a cold room. Athena is here with him. Darrow asks about his other friends on the sub. They are safe, but not him and the Ra. They are prisoners that are about to go on trial. Darrow and Athena talk back and forth, and she explains why he's on trial. And he knows. We all know. We get it. Darrow is accepting of the situation. After all, he is on the path. And he does not think that they are his enemies. He tries reciting some path bangers back to Athena. He but like she's, recites a whole chapter. But she's pretty un unimpressed. He's like, that's the biggest path banger I got. And she <laughs> says, no, yeah. I'm not impressed. She tells him that he is good at memorizing stuff. <laughs> so he should check this out and throws him a hollow cube, telling him to learn the names of those he betrayed. Uh, she leaves him alone and Darrow watches the images on the hollow cube. Thousands of sons being tortured and killed after he betrayed them. Some die quiet, some scream, but most shout a name. Not Ares or Eo, but Darrow's name. The Reaper. <sighs> that's uh that's tough it's a pretty tough one chapter 60 darrow the weight of guilt darrow stands trial in front of the daughters he's filled with guilt and shame and has decided that his life is forfeit because of his crimes he pleads guilty to all the charges leveled against him including betraying the daughters to the raw the sentence is death darrow smiles out at severo and sees lyria listening intently so he decides this speech is for Lyria. He confesses to all the terrible things he's done and says he's not sorry for why he did them, which was to fight for freedom. But he does regret selling the Rim daughters. He chose the core over the Rim out of fear and ignorance and wishes that he hadn't. He rallies them to stick together to save those still on the surface being attacked by the Obsidian and to not forget the core to make his death mean something. Diomedes then stands trial. 
he basically says the golds failed to protect the low colors and therefore the contract is broken. Take your due. Mm. Gloomy bastard. The gloomy bastard. (laughs) (laughs) Chapter 61, Darrow, the three masters. Darrow and Diomedes return from the trow and are thrown into a cell with Cassius. Hello. (laughs) Who was supposed to be on the ship still. (laughs) Instead, he got jumped by some black owls and taken prisoner. Uh, Darrow and Diomedes snipe back and forth about their speeches. Diomedes asks Darrow why he spoke for him. Darrow tells him that he was trying to save lives. Diomedes finally decides to open up and he tells them what happened on the bridge of the Dustmaker. They then theorize together that the imposter on the bridge had to be Atlas and that he is the shadowy hand behind this whole thing and that he's paving the way for Lysander to be the shiny, shiny savior. Which is right on the money. On the money. Except for this next part. Oh. Uh, Cassius does not think that Lysander would go along with that plan. He's too honorable. Taught him better than that. Uh, Diomedes surprisingly agrees and he vouches for Lysander relaying how he thinks it was Lysander who saved him on the bridge and that he's most likely dead now. Importantly, they discuss how Lysander was still able to move after being struck with the paralytic poison that Atlas uses and Fa will use in the future. Uh, Diomedes tells them about the toxin leech. Let's file that one away. Uh, Diomedes then tells Cassius about how much he grew to respect Lysander. Cassius is touched. Darrow is skeptical, but he feels for his friend, and he's like, I'm going to keep my mouth shut. Yeah, he's like, really, bro? <laughs> okay. I love how it, when he says, but he's a loon. <laughs> <laughs> and when they're backed into a corner, Lysander, yeah. <laughs> they do loon things. <laughs> Chapter 62, Darrow, the tyrant's debris. The daughters take Diomedes, Cassius, and Darrow into a war room with a map of Ilium. We learn what all the cheering was about. Ares decided to give his own speech and convince the daughters to postpone Darrow's sentence. Ares, you say? The room goes dark. Mm. Someone moves in the shadows. I am Ares, breaker of chains. <laughs> Severo put on the Twilight Helm and also got his goatee back. Hell yeah. Glow up. <laughs> <laughs> Normally, I don't like a goatee. But it fits several. It does. Athena was listening when they were talking about Fa and Atlas. She wants Darrow to help destroy Fa and win back the rim. Darrow has a plan for that, which sounds too good to be true, but that's how it is with Darrow. And it sometimes works out. (laughs) They also have a contract for Diomedes. They want him to be their Virginia, to fight for the low colors and champion the downtrodden. Diomedes clarifies that if he gives his oath, the people on the surface can take refuge with the daughters and he'll be free to take up arms against Fa and Atlas. Athena says, give me your oath and I'll put the blade in your hand myself. Hell yeah. Give me your oath and I'll put the blade in your hand myself. (laughs) (laughs) Wow. It's so hard. Is that Nick? (laughs) Was that... (laughs) Was that Athena herself? (laughs) Ben, what is the theme for these chapters? Debts to be paid. We've got a lot of debts that we're talking about here, and we've got to pay for them in these chapters. Are we collecting interest on these debts? There's been some interest collected. And hopefully... Accrued. At a 
low percentage (laughs) for the future. So let's talk about our first person in debt, and that's Darrow. Darrow's the main debtor. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. But there are some people that Darrow freed that are in debt to Darrow. Wow. Uh, And let's talk about the Obsidians, right? I see. Our Volk friends. All right, they're yes, out here. They're oathbreakers. They're fucking wilding out, out on the rim, doing all kinds of bad boy Finally stuff. Finally broke free of Sefi, and they've, now... Yep, they've been very bad boys. Yes. And now Daryl's here, and he's like, yo. He's like, bad boys, bad boys. <laughs> you guys have been very bad boys. I'm the one who put the razor in Ragnar's hand. Yes. Y'all forgot? They so, did. They so thought Tierra Morga was dead. <laughs> let's hear this quote from darrow he's calling in the debt trying to convince the obsidians that you know it's time to come back home time to stop wild now before you bothered with moons you liberated planets in my name how far you've fallen you know me or have you forgotten the man who put the razor in ragnar's hand damn that was a performance right there Ooh, i would have been like okay sorry <laughs> performance all right uh I this what a great line before you bothered with moons we liberated planets yeah like banger like what's this bullshit you're doing out here <laughs> yes this small stuff this is a great moment I love Darrow like understanding his soldiers and like understanding the way the obsidians work and just kind of using some of that to help yeah and their you know. culture yes it's all like honor and yeah. you know a good death and yeah yeah calling back on that and then he also knows that once he calls out fa like that's going to spread throughout the rest of the army and And that they're recording him yes yeah um so yeah that i love like that everybody's got a fucking gopro and yeah (laughs) they you know it's just gonna spread like a, a viral video would i love that aspect of it so i think this is you know daryl's basically he's calling in obsidian debt and he's saying Pay time, up. Yeah, time to pay up to me. And then our next character interaction, I think this is what are, a really great interaction that we um, haven't touched on yet, but Lyria and Cassius have a great moment where mm-hmm. she's like, basically, you know, I see you and why you're doing what you are doing. And it's like Cassius <laughs> is carrying, yeah, this, the tail. Uh, <laughs> Cassius is carrying this debt that he feel like he owes to society at large. And he's got to, you know, like basically win back his honor, you know, yeah. his, and, and so he's kind of carrying this debt. And I love that Lyria is the person to recognize it within him. And then how touched he is by someone, by being seen by someone in a way that nobody sees him, you know? So I think this is a great, great line as well. What you did on Io, why you did it, it's just... I looked down, feeling stupid, knowing the man doesn't need compliments from me. I don't know. I just think you're a good man, and you have a huge heart, and I don't think people say that enough. Just wanted you to know that I see it, Bologna. That's why Cassius was, like, so dead set on saving those children and low colors that were being taken prisoner. It's why he had to go off mission, because he's just... He can't not like it's he must he must and that is part of who he is now and 
damn the consequences, you know, like whether it costs him his life or whatever, he's fully ready to do that mm-hmm. in order to do the right thing and save people that need saving. So, and it's what he has been doing off screen mm-hmm. since the sovereign mm-hmm. was poked. Right. <laughs> yes. Yeah, so this is, he, a, a, he's yeah. been flying around the asteroid belt, saving people trying to, yeah, trying that. to do little helping Right. So he's been carrying this debt all along. And I just love that. That she sees it. That she sees that. And and he feels seen in that moment. They're so cute. Now we'll get to Darrow and his personal debts. He's got a lot. We know here. I mean, he he killed a lot of people. We actually get like the exact numbers in these Mm -hmm. chapters, which is crazy. It it only includes low colors. Yeah. Yeah. That's not even the full destruction. Right. Um, yeah, so let's hear, this is Darrow and Athena kind of going back and was Darrow and Athena having conversation, Athena talking to Darrow. She laughs at herself. Well, I'd forgotten Hilda was a used to plunging headlong into the dark, erasing the debris they leave behind. She tosses the hollow cube to me. We are your debris, Darrow, and we matter. You're so good at memorizing. Learn the names of those you betrayed. I sounded like that. <laughs> That's why. But yes, uh, I love this line. Helldivers are used mm-hmm. to plunging headlong mm-hmm. in, in were the debris. Yes. That's, it's like, oh, yeah, that is Darrow. He's just a fucking know, yeah. bullet. It just like nailed He's him. He's bullet in Mar- Mario? Mario Kart, you yeah. know? Yeah. That gets you to the front. Mm. That's Darrow. Mm-hmm. Yes. Uh it's such great imagery uh, and it just nails him to the wall like immediately. And then this moment where, you know, she has him, she gives him the hollow cube and he watches all those videos. It's like, first of all, it's incredible that Daryl just like decided to do that. Cause like, that's something that could have easily just been avoided, you know, but he, he had to, he had to do it. It was he his comeuppance. It. Yes. And, it had this really profound effect on him and helps him actually see that debt that he must now own up to. And I think it that her giving him the hollow cube helps him stop like raging against the bars and it's like, mm-hmm. okay, I, I accept, you know, these charges. Yeah. Uh, and then that leads us into Darrow's speech during the trial this is kind of near the end of that speech and how he's owning up to the situation and he's like learn from this you know learn from what i did because i fucked up Uh, and i love that he's taking ownership over it and then doesn't matter what the consequence is for him he's like take this movement that i started and make it into your own but don't make the same mistakes that i did i do not ask your forgiveness or your mercy I ask only that you succeed where I failed. Do not surrender your dream to fear. Do not take the short route through shadow. You know your path. If you think you are alone on it, just look to your right. Look to your left. Look across the solar system and see what I see. A tide of one people who want only one thing. Liberty. Nick gave me chills on that. He's killing it this week. Nick's going hard in the paint. He's the bullet. Yeah. Uh... (laughs) This is, I mean, just what a great speech. And like, mm-hmm. there's so many, there's levels to this, right? It's like, not only is this in the immediate for 
don't make the mistake of not saving the people on the surface of Europa, but as for this entire movement, don't make the mistake of looking at just today and saving yourself right now. Like if this thing is going to live forever, you've got to embrace everyone, including, you know, people on Mars and, and people that have been left behind. And I know like introspectively Darrow has accepted his punishment of death, but this is also like a very smart way to play this. Mm-hmm. Like he doesn't say I'm not guilty because or make excuses. Mm-hmm. He, I mean, he really gave himself the best chance of living by, yeah. you know, what he does empowering. He really, the low colors. yeah, he actually learned and like, yes. And I love that. He's not asking for, I love that, that he starts with, I'm not asking for forgiveness. Like, you right. don't have to forgive me over this. Like, but I just w- don't waste. Yes, you know this opportunity that's now in front of you. Where, don't do the same thing that I did because mm-hmm. you're, you're doing that. You're protecting your people over other people. When the idea is that we should be protecting all people, and I already fucked that up once. Yeah, don't do it again. Yeah. So, yes, he's like, don't take on that debt that I now have. Mm-hmm. So. What a great... Lots of debts. Yes. What a great week of of quotes. Thank you, Nick. That was awesome. Great job, Nick. Let's move on to our uh, next segment. And our this is such a good one this week. How was Cassius hilarious today? Like, okay. There were a lot. There were so many. But him, like, being in chains... And beat up. And beat up. And then just, like, I can imagine him with his hands, like, shackled shackled together. And just be like, hello. (laughs) (laughs) I laughed about that for, like, fucking five minutes straight. And Daryl's just like, what the fuck? God damn it, Cassius. And you know he was like, oh, man. Everybody's, like, off down to the deep, right? He's on the Archimedes by himself. He's like, I'm going to get fucking... Yeah, I'm going to get drunk and watch some fucking old videos. He's probably like, this is going to be a great night. I finally have a night off. I can put my feet up. And then he gets beat up. (laughs) Then he gets, like, taken prisoner. He was like, the daughters are better at sneaking (laughs) than fighting obsidians. (laughs) He has so many great moments, though. There was another one where... Like he's talking about the hammer again, and I to love Lyria. yeah. And Lyria's like, everyone saw the hammer, Cassius. He made us all watch your feet. <laughs> yeah, I love how the hammer like carries through. Yes. It's like, why is it so big? <laughs> he, he's basically like, you know, I wouldn't have gotten knocked down if it was a normal hammer. It's just a huge hammer. Everyone saw the hammer. <laughs> <laughs> you made us watch. <laughs> Uh, and then the last one is when Severo comes in with the helmet, like all the lights go out and it's like this great. And you can't even see your hands. It's like this incredibly tense moment. Yeah. And then uh, Cassius just cuts through all that tension with Neptune's prick. I thought I just died. <laughs> <laughs> so good. <laughs> the high and the low there. I just like that's yeah. such a great like the way that Pierce combines that is, is awesome. So it just makes it. And like the drama it, of what Severo does with the twilight helm. Yes. And then he's like, yes, the drama. And then this moment yeah. of levity that just kind of cuts he's through like, it all. Damn dude. What? <laughs> scaring the shit out of me. And not only was Cassius hilarious today, he was also very sweet. Yes. Yeah. With Lyria. Yeah. And they're just so cute together. Yes. I put a moment in the prime five of them that I really enjoyed as well. So well, what should we do next? I think it's time to talk to our wise and wonderful researcher. 
Okay, we'll be right back with Heather. All right, next up, please welcome to the Hallerpod stage our wise and wonderful researcher, Heather Madsen is here, everybody. Heather, pew, pew, pew. <laughs> Hello. It's so time. good to see you. Yes. It's so nice to see you guys, too. I'm sorry I didn't come with any historical research today, but it's when okay. you guys get back to those character analyses, I'm here for you. Amazing. We appreciate it. We'll hold you to it. <laughs> yeah, you might want to be careful about what you say there. What? There are like, I don't know, two new characters? I don't know. There are probably more new characters than I There's really, yeah, you don't have too like many more new ones. It's like Ore and yeah. Chion. Athena, everybody knows who Athena is, though. So, yeah, you know. Yeah, that's about it. It's like this section is kind of our new character section, really. Seagirt. Yeah, Seagirt. Dark Age? Dark Age really killed off (laughs) a lot. A lot. (laughs) (laughs) Saved you a lot of (laughs) historical research work. Saved you some work. Well, hey, what have you been up to? It's been a while. Yes, tell us about your life. What's been going on? Yeah. So I think the last time I was on the pod was maybe like my sophomore year of college. I'm graduating. Yeah, in the I think spring. it was like um, it's my undergraduate. I changed my major again. I'm studying geochemistry now. And nice. I'm I think the last excited. time we talked to you, it was like I thought you were marine biology. It was marine biology, I think, right? Yeah, I was doing evolutionary biology last time, but then I realized that I actually hate biology. So. I'm okay. really <laughs> just here for the earth and for chemistry. So those are okay. those are my two passions and they intersect in geochemistry. And I was just studying abroad in Copenhagen, but like mainly to go to Greenland and do some research on the Greenland ice sheet, which was super cool. I was only there for a week, yeah. but it was a good time. <laughs> I love it. Please save the world yeah. for all of us. It sounds like you, you could work on the glaciers on, are melting, guys. <laughs> She's got bad news. Bad news from Greenland. Bad news for all the mountain glaciers, actually. Greenland's holding holding out all right. So is Antarctica, but Good. the mountain yeah, glaciers are fading fast. They're supposed to. Mm. We're not supposed to have any mountain glaciers by the end of the century. So go out there that and hike bad. now while you can. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> but uh, thanks for coming maybe, on. Heather. No, just <laughs> <laughs> maybe somebody will learn how to terraform some planets by then. And there we go. Control That's what the we environment need. a storm little god. <laughs> Yeah, I also got to learn about some extraterrestrial ice on Europa, which is fitting for these chapters. Wow, please tell us more. Create rock. Well, it was just a short little guest lecture at the end of my semester. I was taking like an Arctic glaciology class and like Europa right now is covered in ice, but there aren't like any craters on the surface of the planet because the ice is like continuously flowing because it's like, you know, freezing in there. What that implies is that there's like liquid water beneath the ice, which Mm -hmm. obviously we know about because of the deep, but they also think (laughs) that that there could be like conditions for life based on 
uh, whether or not like the core of the planet is uh, able to like provide energy through chemosynthesis. So there's like a space exploration mission that's being launched soon to investigate that. Damn. So, yes. How did Pierce know? Yeah. Maybe they'll find a Leviathan down there. Pierce knows yes. everything. I recommended Red Rising <laughs> to the guy who gave the guest lecture. Because I was really nice. <laughs> You were like, thanks for the facts. Here's some fiction that you might like. <laughs> yes. Exactly. She's going to intersect beautifully. Yes. Yeah. That's amazing. Yeah. Well, that sounds yeah. great. Uh, you're, yeah. Oh, I was just going to say, yes, I, I'm like biding my time out in seattle until i mm. go back and finish my year in princeton nice that's awesome yes it's been very fun to follow your your travels across the world yes we're very proud of you i know so proud <laughs> thank you <laughs> we're proud howler parents <laughs> that's not weird at all <laughs> But you're still wise Everyone. and wonderful, and yes. we're we're so thankful that you came on the pod today to talk about Lightbringer. Yes, because we haven't talked to you since Dark Age. Yes, I don't even know what your yeah. thoughts are on Lightbringer yet. So I mean, we talked like a little bit right after you finished, I think. But I want to hear. Okay, so like, give me the Heather review. How did it go? Uh, it's well. I was I was saying earlier that I finished the book like. I once I got this hard copy, I just like read every single day, all day. Like I had work every day. I was so negligent. I was like, sorry, somebody else can do this. Like <laughs> I did the same I'm reading. Thing. <laughs> yeah, it's like it's super necessary. And I finished really fast. And I was my friend who also who ordered the book with me, she was like, like record your insta reaction and like send it to me when I'm done. Of course I forgot to do that. So I like can't remember my initial thoughts. I know I was crying. I remember at the end of the book, I was on a hike um, in like Eastern Washington and I kept like stopping and just like lying on these random rocks. And my friends got really mad at me because I just wouldn't <laughs> keep moving. I was like, I'm sorry. Like, I'm like, shit is hitting the fan. I'm really sad right now. And like, I couldn't even finish, I couldn't even finish reading on that hike, even though it was like, I was up there for like eight hours. I just was like, I knew things were not going well. And then I finished, mm -hmm. like I read Cassius dying on mm -hmm. this dock on Lake Washington and like the waves were crashing around me. So like nobody could hear me crying, but I was obviously, <laughs> but I thought it was a beautiful, beautiful book. That is a beautiful scene. <laughs> I really yeah. liked it. I was initially, like, fearful that it would just, like, Darrow was in the dumps again, and he would be kind of like mm. he was in Iron Gold. But I think he really, like, figured out. I, I kind of think about reading, like, when I'm writing, I think about it as, like, I'm, like, painting, a, like, a picture, and I don't know what it it, it like what I'm painting yet and I feel like Darrow mm -hmm. kind of like embraced that like he doesn't really know where he's going but he's gonna like keep making methodical decisions and like move forward and follow the path mm -hmm. so I, I thought it was really good I know my some of my friends and family members aren't like done reading it uh and 
in the like first third of the book they're like i'm not really sure how i'm vibing with this but i think yeah personally i love pierce's writing so i don't really care if we there we don't have an, a lot of action right from the start but i know that's mm-hmm. one of their complaints but i thought it was great i really liked it overall there's plenty of action soon yeah i was gonna say yeah just <laughs> just gotta get into like part two and then you'll be <laughs> yeah pretty good yeah that's awesome i love that reaction i love what mm-hmm. you're saying there about darrow's path and the, the painting, the painting. You know, yeah that's the, a beautiful a, that analogy really for it and yet what were your favorite parts uh i really okay well obviously clang 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 was awesome i liked all <laughs> of <John> best. <laughs> I liked, I think, everything from, like, everything in the rim. I think it's, the rim is such a cool place. So I liked anytime mm-hmm. Darrow is out there. I also mm-hmm. like Lysander, like, seeing Lysander in Luna, on Luna, rather, and, like, dealing with Atalantia and, like, how crazy she mm-hmm. is. I guess they're on Earth, right? Yeah. It's been a while. Yeah. But, mm-hmm. um, no, you're good. Yeah, and I think it, it's like it's always fun to hear Virginia's perspective, but this in this book it's like stressful because she's not winning. Oh, but so it, she's so smart, yeah. so it's uh-huh. fun to like be there with her and see that she's like trying to save as many people as she can. And it's mm-hmm. cool in these chapters to hear like the daughters of Ares try to replicate what virginia has tried to bring the republic through diomedes but mm-hmm. yeah i think just darrow in the rim darrow and diomedes together is probably my favorite mm-hmm. so far nice yeah, I like it too. we were just talking about fa being a big old phony what did you think about that i thought i mean i think i was like expecting that obviously based on the end of dark age but i enjoyed Mm -hmm. it being like laid bare and exposed the way it was and Mm -hmm. that he was like trying to pull the wool over the eyes of people that would like really care about him being Mm -hmm. a fraud so i think that's super fitting i guess yeah i think atlas obviously just like pulling the getting to see like all of the strings that Atlas is pulling exposed mm-hmm. in this book was also a highlight for me. Yes. Yeah. That whole plan like, laid bare for sure. Yes. And I, I, yeah, there was something about the fall being a phony. Like I know there was other like fans that were maybe dissatisfied with that, but I don't know. I felt, I don't it, see I, how you could be dissatisfied. I felt it was so satisfying. Anything. Cause it's what it's meant to be. I thought it worked. Just <laughs> I just thought it worked really well. I don't know. So I'm glad to hear that you, you felt the yes. same way. Did you have like any expectations going into this book? Because like for us, I feel like this book was like so wildly different than what I expected from Lightbringer. Yeah. But it was totally welcome. Like I loved it. It was much more uh, uh, upbeat than Dark Age. Yes. Did you have like... Were you scared going in and did it like exceed <laughs> expectations or how did that how how did that play out for you? Yeah, I mean I'm never like afraid of 
Pierce like taking the story somewhere that I don't want it to go. But of course I'm mm-hmm. afraid because I still love these characters. <laughs> and I like yeah. try to live in denial and be like, nobody's going to die. Like I was surprised that Cassius <laughs> died. Like, should I have yeah. been? No, not at all. But like, <laughs> um, I still was surprised and sad. But I definitely expected a lot more of it to be spent on Mars. You know, I didn't I didn't think the rim yes, would come yeah. into the picture again at all. But I think it makes sense I, since uh, it's like yeah. a middle, like, it's not that the culmination of the trilogy, but rather like another like stepping stone towards the end of the series. So I think that's a really good point. And I agree mm-hmm. with you, like going in initially the expectation for so long was that this was going to be the last book. Right. But then when we get and the, the last announcement, one has to be right, on Mars. has to be on Mars. Yeah. But now that we changed the story up and we're added a book, it is great that we get this whole detour. And I feel like it, it was so necessary for like Darrow specifically right. to do all of this, especially kind of what happens. Work. Yeah. What happens in these chapters and we can talk about that. We can talk about chapter 55 through 62 now. Great set of chapters. Just like we have a really good Darrow speech. We get like. I, I teared up a lot this week. Yeah. Not on the initial read, but just from like the comeuppance, I guess. Yeah. The, the passion. Right. Uh, we get to yeah, meet there were a lot Athena. Of and moments. Like, yeah. Yes, for sure. Like, Man, I'm a lot more emotional the second It's like this Lyria Severo moment was really great. Like, I think this is Cassius at his just like swashbuckling, most hilarious. It was, there were a lot of, how is Cassius hilarious today? (laughs) Yes. Uh, (laughs) So uh, this was a a really great section. What did you think about like Athena and the whole Athena storyline? And like the way they are reacting to Darrow and stuff. Yeah. Yeah, well, I mean, I thought, you know, being in Darrow's head, reading about how he's like, oh, the way he chooses his seat in the submarine, like, looking for, like, the rusty bolt so that he could always Mm -hmm. have, like, an escape plan. I think that's, like, kind of, like, vestigial from his past of being in the hands of, like, his enemies. Whereas, like, Mm -hmm. right now, even though these people despise him because he like was their hero but he betrayed them like ultimately like he needs them and he needs their beliefs to reunite with the belief that he can be their hero again and Mm -hmm. i think it's interesting to listen to him talk about like oh like i should have like escaped while i had the chance and like you know forced them to acquiesce to me but then then that would make him into the bloodthirsty tyrant that they think he is and he's not Mm -hmm. you know that's why he's the person who's fighting for freedom rather than just like a new master by a different name perpetuating the same system of subjugation so i thought that was really interesting and i think i'm still confused about the commuting of darrow's sentence (laughs) right And like, okay, like, so when like, are we commuting Cassius, this? yeah, like Cassius gets like, you know, Severo's like, he's with me, like, he's chill, <laughs> right, so he's also, good, yeah. like, the new, like, uh, 
Mustang yeah. between Sovereign. Dar- yeah. Yeah, yeah, the rim and the daughters, <laughs> and then like Darrow's just like their sword, but like has to come back and be retried. Like, I'm confused. Yeah. Yeah. Like, I, I don't know how that's going to Everyone work, else got off easy. Just, like, yeah. yeah. And I, I'm sure, like, I want to just be like, oh, like, they're just saying that because they're still angry at him and they want to make sure right. that he knows. That he like is going that like his past sins aren't like atoned just because they're like letting him fight with them. But seems like if that comes back into play, I'm not gonna be happy. <laughs> but <laughs> I could see Yeah, that. I had the same thought like at the end where I'm like, is that kind of like tongue in cheek between the two of them? Because Or like is it commuting until his natural death? <laughs> right. Yeah. Like he's going yeah. to like sacrifice himself for yeah. the cause. Yeah. yeah. They're uh, like, yeah, we'll commute it because yeah. there's no way you survive fog. I was, they do a talk about it again at the end of the book. And I was trying to remember. Oh, they do? Yeah. Remember? Before he leaves. I'm pretty sure they talk Does about it leave? again. I don't remember. <laughs> at the end of the book, he's Maybe. like flying back to Mars with, oh. the, with the daughter's fleet and the Volk. Yeah. Maybe it's just like in the future when he stops being their like sword. Right. Which I'm not sure yeah. when that would happen. Like if he fails them, then he'll be retried. <laughs> yeah. But yeah. I was, it's I guess me he has to like come bring sure. the razor back. <laughs> yeah. yeah. <laughs> but that's a good that point. Everyone else. Like, why couldn't Severo be like, Cassius is with me, so is Darrow. <laughs> and and like, I think we said this in our, <laughs> yeah, <right. laughs> our Insta reaction. We were like, we wish we knew what Severo said. Like, yeah. we never really, that's behind the curtain. So that kind of sucks. That is one thing. There's like a couple things in this book that I wish we would have had more a of a view, more of a yeah. perspective on. And that is definitely one of them. I love what you said about Darrow, you know, picking his seat and then he's having that like kind of reaction like he wants to fight against it, but instead he gives in and just kind it's of goes along with it. And that's like showing how much he's actually changed. Because yes, we're so used to Darrow being like fighting against any kind of, you know, restraint, basically. Wouldn't you? Oh, yeah. I mean, and just he like... He was in a table. Like Heather pointed out. Yeah. Like, the, te- the table. Yeah. So I, I love that call out. And that really hit me this time too, just going back through that part and mm-hmm. how much that changed. Like getting into just like his speech and being held accountable for the docs of Ganymede. I didn't realize like how necessary this was for his character until this book and all of this was happening. You know, mm-hmm. it feels like something that like needed to be addressed. Well, until this trial, like the docks of Ganymede as a reader and the selling out of the Rim daughters as a reader is kind of like, ooh. Yeah. And then you're like, anyways. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. But now it, it's like, it oh, just, these are real people. It just felt like I re- still remember like when he was, you know, talking to Romulus trying to sway him onto the side of the rising and I just like never really understood because they he had the like bluff about the nuclear power mm-hmm. like nuclear bombs right so it just felt oh, like mm-hmm. wait why why are you also like sacrificing these other people and the fact that 
he like talks about how that was coming from his a place of like fear of failure and like losing the one home and like the people that have been mm -hmm. fighting for him and alongside him this whole time like it was driven semi irrationally even if it was a means to an end i think was really powerful but i also agree like it's like it was horrible to read about and then it continues yeah. to haunt him but i think it was interesting to have like the numbers between the people like the sons that mm -hmm. were uh sold out versus the people the number of low colors that died in the docks of ganymede being destroyed because that mm -hmm. it was like yeah like so to the people. exact number <laughs> yeah 43 it, or something yeah it was crazy it was like wow this was like you know just a lot of destruction and destroyed lives and like that's just carnage and i love the analogy of like the hell diver you know plunging oh, forward yeah. and the and where the, your debris yeah uh that you're not looking back at and i i i, I agree it's just like incredibly powerful him owning up to that fear and saying like i did it because i was scared because i valued my family over yours basically and him realizing that like i did not know how necessary that was for his character going into this book but now i'm just like that had to happen mm -hmm. it had to happen yeah. for me to like he had to atone for yes all his sins for like me to like and love I... daryl again in a way because like you well, know i think it was it it was tearing him apart too right um he's doing a lot of healing in this book yeah yeah stitching yeah. himself back and together. i think that that like idea of division between like my home and these people's home also like rung true to me like when we were reading about like how the obsidians like <clears throat> have fallen so far because of like the divide divide division mm -hmm. along gender-based lines and how like it seems like mm -hmm. I know like division and unity. I feel like that's been a theme of your guys's before, but that was definitely <laughs> running through my mind when I was reading these things. Cause I was like, there's a, yeah. like, of course, like any like goal or mission, like a house divided cannot stand. Like we need mm -hmm. to, and Daryl, Daryl finally gets that memo. He's like, you know, we're all the same. We need to unite and find a common common ground and common purpose otherwise we're just going to keep getting beaten up and battered right and it's so interesting that it's this person that caused all this carnage for them trying to then also like teach them that lesson you yeah, know yeah. <laughs> like that these people there in the were room, a few things like, in the room where i was like if i were a daughter i'd be like shut up <laughs> yeah, <laughs> yeah and especially because they like uh athena or they they continue to refer to themselves as you know humans rather than like the colors mm -hmm. that people that like Darrow and Cassius or anyone would ascribe to them. So and Darrow's like mm -hmm. I'm starting to think I shouldn't have come here, but it's like that's what he's trying to teach them all along is that we're all human, right. not divided into these colors. So yeah, it is <laughs> yeah. like he's having to teach them a lesson that he didn't understand for sure right uh -huh. it is it's yeah. like he's learning it at the same time right. he's trying to teach it and i think with the the whole that whole combo where he's trying to like relate to athena because they're both reds he's he's just trying to 
it's, win, it's win like her a little over. manipulative yeah. yeah yeah he's like yeah and she's not having any of i love how she just shuts that down <laughs> yeah. she's like good job memorizing <laughs> yeah. <You're> very smart <laughs> <laughs> yeah <laughs> so that was uh, funny i i really liked that she like gave him the holocube to watch all of the mm-hmm. uh executions that happened after yeah. he gave up the sons in the room and i thought that was like it was super powerful that they all were screaming his name and that that's why mm-hmm. people are like mm-hmm. doubly offended because they like looked up to him so much so right i just got chills thinking about that and like i read it earlier today and i got chills and like read it yesterday and got chills. like that it just works like every <laughs> single time well, and like you see darrow's immediate uh, anger he feels trapped he wants to rage against the machine and then he calms himself and watches the hollow cube and then i think that's what brings him to the point where he can say i am guilty because yeah. he actually sees the yep. carnage and he sees just like left like heather was saying just like how much these people believed in him yeah specifically yeah and the dream yes so i mean just incredible stuff did you have like a favorite part of this section of the book uh, at all? You know, I really, I really liked, I mean, I think Darrow's speech in this section is just amazingly written, but I really liked the Severo Liria conversation on, on the ship. I thought that was really good. And honestly, like the, opening up of Diomedes to the possibility of an alliance with uh, Mm -hmm. Darrow and the daughters. I thought towards the end, I, that was probably my favorite part. Nice. Those are three really good call outs. I, Darrow's speech, incredible. And then I love that it's followed up with Diomedes just being like, kill me. <laughs> Take your due. <laughs> <laughs> and then yeah, Diomedes I mean, like, why did you? Yeah. <laughs> I See, I didn't read that as like, kill me. I, I def, but I definitely know that's what it means. But yeah. I, I love Diomedes. I appreciate like. Yeah, I think he was just like he was really just owning up to so. it. Yeah, he was just like we had a contract, contract broke broken. So yep, take yep. your due. Yeah, and then I I love what you said. Call out the Leary and Severo conversation, and I reread that part like several times this time. Just like it's really veiled, kind of like what Leary is actually trying to say to Severo, and like how that then leads to him, you know, making Picking this speech the down, yeah down the line. Yeah, and... I didn't know she was trying to like drive a dagger into his heart or like be as open yeah. as possible. But when she's like my heart just keeps turning blacker and blacker. I'm like, okay, so she's about to be a bitch and like say something that's super unhinged. But, but then he's right. like, then she's like, I would have traded places with Ulysses in an instant. Like, yeah. It, mm-hmm. yeah, yeah. It just kept me guessing. And I think they both have, I know really, it was... like, un like, like they have jagged edges, obviously like mm-hmm. Pedro is super uncontrolled, but Lyria too, mm-hmm. like she's kind of, out of left field sometimes and i think seeing them interact mm-hmm. anytime is an interesting thing <laughs> they're they're a really fun pair i hope we get more of them coming up together in in red god because like i think you could kind of 
not recreate, but you can have that, you know, Lyria Cassius dynamic, a little different, obviously with Severo, but I think that could be a similar type, buddy, More nasty. buddy, buddy relationship. <laughs> yeah. It would be a little meaner. meaner. <laughs> yeah. But I think you could have that. That would be a cool relationship to see develop. Um, and he like clearly respects her by the end. And like in his veiled way of saying, you know, it was like, like I'll talk to you as long as you're not useless. Yeah. As long as you're not useless. And then I like that story that she relayed uh, about her dad. And then mm-hmm. just thinking, thinking about what she talked about and how that hit home with Severo. And like, he doesn't say anything. He basically just like takes it all in. And walks it's away. so hard to read, like whether he even is affected by that in the moment. And so that's an easy moment to kind of like read by and not realize how powerful it was. But then, you know, two chapters later or whatever, it's got this great impact on Severo. That was, that was a really cool one. I, I thought that was like yeah. just really well done with the writing. And I like seeing new character relationship growth. Yeah. Like we, we haven't had them yeah. really. Yeah talking to each other very much so. and they're so connected you right. know because like she's so connected with Victra and ulysses obviously like she's right. this big piece and he so yeah he has to even though he doesn't want to know he like has to know yeah she's like i need to i need you to tell me mm-hmm. you know mm-hmm. okay we're gonna put you on the spot for our final question <laughs> if if you have to pick a primus of the week for this week's podcast. Who are you picking for Primus of the Week? Well, I think there's a strong case for Darrow. I think he does he does do a lot of good in this chapter, but I would probably give it to Diabetes because I did really love his speech. <laughs> and I think in the cell, like I know he has like so little page time. But, you know, <laughs> That's that's where my heart is at right now. And I think <laughs> for him to like have uh you know, opened up enough and come like cognitively around enough to recognize the merit of sharing his uh conspiracy about Atlas, I think that like mm-hmm. changes the game. I don't know how the whole trial would have gone. Otherwise, I mean, I'm sure there would have been some other reason that they didn't die, but the fact that Athena was overhearing this conversation and this, uh, the puzzle really is falling together and the confirmation yeah. of everything Darrow thought before. I think that was very impactful for me. Yeah. Nice. Okay. We're going to have to take that into consideration I for like later. Diabetes. All right. It's a good one. <laughs> <laughs> I like the strong silent type. I know. He's, <laughs> He's, I mean, I'm really looking forward to getting more of him uh-huh, coming in, up. in yeah. Red God. That'll Anything that you more are... More screen time. Other than like more Diomedes, obviously. We know we now know your love for Diomedes. Anything that you're <laughs> looking forward to in, in Red God? I'm looking forward to seeing like Darrow and Severo interact in a less like tarnished and hateful environment like maybe where they have mm-hmm. the upper hand or like the in the uh, element of surprise anything that would like bring back their dynamic in a positive way i think would be really cool because i really like dark age but um i think like darrow and Severo being apart it was pretty sad to read about mm, and yes. so i think i would love to see since 
they have like a very core relationship i would love to see that rebuilt stronger in red god i love that yes it's terrible that they have this like just the nastiest breakup ever at the end of iron gold (laughs) and then they're both just like having a terrible time (laughs) yes having like so pissed off about their breakup in all of dark age yeah (laughs) yeah and then i mean i loved i loved seeing the love between darrow and cassius in this book but Mm. like like obviously that progress has been snuffed out by lysander so (laughs) (laughs) darrow needs another lysander yeah, fuck Lysander. Yeah. <laughs> I'd love That's a perfect yeah, way. Yes. Lysander get killed in Red God. <laughs> yes. That'd be great. Yes. He has to. Yes. Maybe he'll accidentally chop himself in half. <laughs> we could only hope. He'll rail slug himself. <laughs> yes. <laughs> well, Heather, I think that is a perfect place to end on on fuck Lysander. I'm glad I we went all the way around the circle <laughs> and ended there. Uh, so we really appreciate you stopping yes. by and talking to us today. Thank this is, so I feel like that was a really fun, enlightening combo. Yeah. Yes. Thanks for sharing time. your Thanks love for of the book. Yes. <laughs> yes. We'll have to have you back sooner than later. And enjoy your final yes. semester. Yes. We're so proud of you. Keep shining. Keep shining. Thanks, guys. (laughs) 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 All right. Thanks. Thanks, Heather. Oh, my gosh. I love Heather. That was like one of my favorite conversations we've ever had on the podcast right there. Um, I just wish I was that together at her age. I know. Like, yeah. Thinking about, yeah. Thinking Mm. about not only her own future but also the future of the planet i know i'm i'm actually like very excited that that heather's out there working on behalf of the planet for yeah, all of us and that the ice mountains yes because that makes me if we've got heather on the case i feel like we maybe we stand a chance i, I didn't want to sound like a dumbass but i was like i don't even know what geochemistry is man <laughs> sounds like i was gonna ask at one point and then i was like uh, maybe i'll maybe look it up later <laughs> get canceled because we don't know anything (laughs) just amazing and you know i love talking to everyone who loves the books and it's so fun to hear heather's perspective and i'm glad that she liked the book i know she's awesome thank you so much heather all right let's uh get into the prime five five of our favorite insights and observations from this week's chapters can we talk about Gion, the heavy red Yes. How interesting was sh- was she? Yeah. Well, Chion was a little scary. I like too that Lyria's like, Chion's badass. And then Lyria talks to Chion. She's like, I don't really like her anymore. <laughs> yeah. She's like, she's badass, but there's something yeah, going on. Bad vibes. Yeah, bad vibes. Bad vibes. I Chian. also loved how she's like, she could beat the shit out of me, but then an obsidian could stomp the shit out of right. her. Right. Lyria's like, like, the more of war she sees lyria's like yeah. man i don't I, w- I had a lot of hubris coming out here yeah uh thinking i could save volga i really enjoy these like teched out crazy yeah modded reds like we had uh fell gas miners from yeah. the beginning like i don't know why i find those types of characters so interesting but they're just like they've colors this world like 
it makes I, it steampunk yeah it's it's really cool uh, uh i thought she was awesome and then like the mice quote unquote uh-huh. the mice or and you know the or well the black owls you know uh-huh. but i love how first of all the obsidians call them mice I thought mice, that was, mice mice <laughs> yeah and then they're just like darting around that was like legitimately scary well, it reminded first. me of the dust walkers yeah. when lyria yeah. sees them coming yeah. how they like yeah you, they like twitch because they're moving so fast mm-hmm. yep dude growing up on the rim makes you scary i know it is it's a different and world you, i mean there. you have to be because you can't even breathe the that's air that's like heather said like anything rim related is just it's, so cool yeah i need a whole rim book i feel like the moon lord rebellion yeah we need that one would you rather have the conquering or the moon lord rebellion both like, more give me everything all, give me all of probably it. moon lord rebellion <laughs> yeah because conquering is just us lousy ass humans being like all right yeah I guess we lose. <laughs> well, there's we had you know that one guy, John Merriweather. He sounded like Such he great. P- put up a fight. He sounds like <laughs> he sounds like a ship <laughs> sailing across. There is a Merriweather ship. The blue. I did a report about sea. the Merriweather and the yeah. Maywa- Mary. The Mayweather. May, Mary, no, it's May. What? Merriweather and the Merrimack. <laughs> yeah, there was a famous battle, I think great something like that don't add us please Next don't look step. nobody google that <laughs> this is trust. probably wrong this is all based on trust <laughs> i did the report in fourth grade i typically <laughs> when ben tells me thing I, I say okay mary mac is for sure right anyway so next up on the prime five uh we've got athena conspiracy yes. corner yes who is athena uh athena's not the nice leader of the rising we thought she'd be she's much tougher right um and she's really just the the hand delivering what the the body wants right i thought that was interesting yes and as far as the conspiracy corner goes if you have not read the sons of aries comics and want to we do have spoilers for the entire red rising universe but i will give you a respite right now but like maybe skip ahead like two minutes because I'm going to talk about the, the Sons comments. of Aries. Yes. So if you still want to read those, but you've read everything else. You should read them. You should read them. But uh, so I'm going to start now. There's some speculation that Athena could be Rihanna from Sons of Aries. So Rihanna is this character that's in uh, all three of the books. She's the sister of Severo's mom, Bryn. Bryn. Uh, and she was with Bryn on Triton came with her to Mars when Fitchner and Bryn got married and like helped raise Severo was a founding member or like one of the founding people with the sons of Aries when Fitchner first started. She's like, she's working with him in and out. So I think there, and then so she kind Severo's of Severo's aunt basically. Right. And then at the end of part three, she disappears like they part ways and we don't know what happens. So, I would, I would say like, yes, there's a possibility that it could be her. I would, I think there are some things that don't really align. Like the hollow up. of Severo telling him about the daughters. Why wouldn't he be like, right. your auntie I agree. Like that Athena. would be, uh, and then right away, I feel like we would get that connection now. You know, Yeah, like why would it be like She hidden? would declare herself as Rihanna if she was. Also, like, and this could be artist interpretation or whatever. So just, you know, speaking to that, 
in the comic books, her appearance, she has like very white skin. Like her face is very white. Uh, in Lightbringer, Athena is described as having very dark skin, but she does have white tattoos. But those tattoos are the names of the people that were killed. Which would be after the comics. Which would be after the comics. So to me, that is a big one where it's like she looks like a completely different person. Different person. Yeah. Her age, she's like Daryl describes her as like a woman in her late 40s. So Daryl. Would she be older? Daryl is 34, 35 at this point. You know, Severa's the same age. So if we're thinking about that, like. To me, she would not be old enough. Uh, now, she would, yeah. yeah, she would be older. She need to be like sixty. Yeah, and then so and then her she also describes her own backstory, um, right? And so like Bryn and Rihanna are, we're thinking from Triton because that's where uh, Fitchner met stations, them. Yeah. yeah, and she has a little bit of a different backstory. She was like in a clan uprising around. And then the joined time pirates. That she would have been. Yeah, yeah. why wouldn't yeah. if if she was Rihanna, why wouldn't she say it in that backstory? Right, exactly. And it doesn't fit. Like yeah. so, so to me, like I don't see the connection between the two of them. But there's a conspiracy. But point. also, like Pierce has done retconny stuff before. You know, like there yeah. can be this could change, and maybe it, it is. Might but, not be canon. But to me, I don't think there's a lot of clues here. That would lead it. me to believe. I think Athena is a different person than yeah. Rihanna. And so, maybe we'll see Rihanna in the future. Yeah, maybe. Who knows? Or she's, hear about her. Yeah, she's I don't know, still alive at the end of Sons of Aries Part 3. So, okay. I'll take the next one because I wrote this in there. It's pro- This is probably not a Prime 5, but it, it's fun. Um, there's, I feel like, a low-key Toy Story reference really? in, in this section and i i just absolutely love toy story so makes me cry it's one of my favorite movies ever somebody loved me it's like what the fuck toy story uh (laughs) so leary is talking about flying the ship and she's like i don't have to clean the toilets anymore because i flew the ship yes and cassius is like that wasn't flying it was not Not crashing." crashing and so this is you know very much the first time Woody and Buzz ever interact. A great twosome. Buzz flies. And yes, and that wasn't flying. That was falling with style. I just, one of my favorite Toy Story lines ever. And I feel like Pierce. Yeah, I see it. Work that in. Yeah. It's a good line. Mm-hmm. Okay. Thank uh, you for entertaining that. Next up, I'll take this one. Yeah. Are Ara and Diomedes in love? Do they both love each other or does one just love one and what do you think darrow looks at her and goes it's love then and she seems to admit it she's kind of like well she says something a little cryptic Cryptic, obviously like is duty she's dust and shadows if duty is love or something then it's in the way basically yeah Yeah. it's it's in the way of duty if you yeah if love is love yeah or something yeah butchering it I think it's love. I think it's love too. And I, I think that is her admitting that it I is love. I think that it's love because everyone's like, oh, everyone's in love with Ari and she mm-hmm. can't even like give anyone the time of day. But then the minute Diomedes is around, they're like, oh, mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. this bitch loves Diomedes, <laughs> girl. Yep. Me too. Yeah. And he clearly 
loves her. Yeah. And then they have Even that great... Hard, like, it's hard to tell with Diomedes. Yeah. He's very stoic. They also have that like great interaction at the very end of these chapters when they're like... When she's like, would you kill me? And then they're like... She's like <laughs> staring at him and then they bust out laughing. I was and like, everyone's like, ah, uh, he can laugh. <laughs> yeah. I was like, they're in love. They're, they're at least like flirty. And then our last item, we've got some lore talk here. We've got the... The Leviathan. Leviathan talk. Syraxes. Yep. So we hear the backstory there and already noted Severo's toenails. It's just Stop extremely distracting. And then I also wanted to mention the name of the razor, Pyrophoros. Mm-hmm. That is, I'm sure Cassie P will get into this. I might actually leave that for Cassie P. Uh, okay. But it's Prometheus and he is the Titan that gave fire to human beings. And nice. so Pyrophoros is fire bearer. Okay. Yeah. So it's named for him. Anyway, back to the Leviathan talk. Oh, okay. Because there's a great moment, and I didn't catch this the first time around, where there uh, is after Ser- Severo does his whole Twilight Home thing, and they're talking about what they're going to do for Fod, like saving the people on the surface and stuff. And Daryl's like, you got a plan? He goes, yep. It's a real classic. You're going to hate it. And it's yeah. Dead Horse Plan. Ah, uh, Dead Horse. Oh, Dead Horse. He goes, it's a real classic. You're going to hate it. You're going to hate it. Nice. <laughs> yeah. I missed it. I know. I was like. I need to go back I again. I did the Leonardo DiCaprio meme. I was like, it's right there. <laughs> Shit. <laughs> I was reading real fast. <laughs> All right. Now that we finished our Prime 5, it's time to name our Primus of the Week, where we choose the one character who conquered our Proctors of Plot and rose above the rest. Our Primus of the Week is... Man, this one's up in the air, I well, feel Well, Heather like. chose Diomedes. Diomedes. Right. I think it's probably Severo, because mm-hmm. he somehow made them not kill everybody. Yeah, that's kind of where I was landing. But then I was like, is it secretly actually Lyria? Because, because she convinced... She, she low-key convinced she started several on that path. put on the helmet journey yes and she said some really nice stuff to cassius and she saved everybody with the ship yeah can it be two <laughs> double primus i'm gonna maybe pick, triple primus this week so heather picked diomedes i'm gonna pick Severo. <laughs> and i'm gonna pick lyria that's how we're gonna and end, then yeah. we're the spider-man <laughs> <Yes>. <laughs> all three of us i love that okay several lyria and Diomedes. Okay. Uh, let's get into the Howler mailbag. We'll start with Cassie P and some tidbits. Hello, Howlers. It's Cassie with tidbits for chapters 55 through 62. Actually, just one tidbit. And then the, the one I've been waiting to share with y'all. But first, seeing as Aaron has learned the name of Crush and summoned him back, I move that Ilir Aaron be promoted to the rank of Relar. So for my first tidbit, first and only chapter tidbit, is in chapter 56, and the quote, There's my girl, Cassia shouts. I don't know if he means Lyria or his ship. I'm loving Cassius right now. The fact that Lyria even crosses Darrow's mind when Cassius says that is amazing to me. And I never knew the phrase, there's my girl, could make my heart happy, but it so does. So jealous of Truffle Pig right now. 
And considering Kazria is one ship I would have really loved to see blossom, I say to Darrow, Cassius means both Lyria and his quote-unquote ship. And now, the feature presentation. It's one big, beautiful cross, no pun intended, of classic Pierce and Let's Talk Mythology Part 4, an examination of real-world historical parallels to the political and religious state in Lightbringer. During Howlerpod episode 102, Daniel mentioned a possible Spartan dual monarchy system in the future of the saga, and the light bulb went off that the current four-state situation in the books, we have the Vox Syndicate, the Rim, the Society, and the Rising, could be an approximation of the Roman Tetrarchy, or Rule by Four, which lasted from 293 to 324 CE. During the Tetrarchy, the administration of the Roman Empire was divided into eastern and western areas of influence, and each area had a senior emperor, called Augustus, and a junior or subordinate emperor, called Caesar, for a total of four emperors. This system worked well for just over a decade, until the first transition of power from the two Augusti to the two Caesares devolved into civil war from 306 to 324, not unlike how the Rim, the Society, and the Rising fell into coups, competitions, and chaos a decade after Morning Star. In 324 CE, the Emperor Constantine I, or Constantine the Great, of Constantinople now to Istanbul fame, finally defeated all other claimants and unified the Roman Empire under a single emperor again. So maybe this foreshadows some kind of ultimate unification or red god? Seems a little far-fetched, but that's where the parallel leads. Next, for the religious component. In episode 102, Ben talked about the rise in religious references in Lightbringer presumably building towards some important influence by religion in Red God. Interestingly enough, religion also played an important role in Constantine's conquest. As the legend goes, in the year 312 CE, halfway through the civil wars, Constantine had a dream the night before the Battle of Milvian Bridge, which is near Rome. In this dream, he saw a symbol in the sky, the Cairo, which are the first two capital Greek letters of Jesus's name slash title, Christos. And it looks like a capital X, Chi, on top of a capital P, Rho. And in the dream, the symbol came with the divine message, in hoc signo wincase, or by this sign you shall conquer. The next morning, Constantine had all his soldiers paint the symbol on their shields and his army crushed his rival Tetrarch to consolidate his rule over the western part of the empire. He later converted to and legalized Christianity throughout the empire. Lastly, in opposition to the catchy chant, Lun Invictus, insert eye roll here, Constantine's acceptance of and conversion to the Christian god is attributed to his participation in the monotheistic cult of Sol Invictus. Hopefully, this means some sort of misfortune waiting for Moonboy in Red God. It's possible this is all just coincidence and I'm connecting dots that aren't really there, but I rather choose to credit the brilliance of Howler number one. 
and take a drink. Hope some of you found this at least half as interesting as I did. And, like the state in which Darrow would have lived had his enemies not brought him war, peace. That's a good sign up. <laughs> that was great. Cassie, Thank you, Cassie P. You continue to surprise us week in, week, week in and week out. I know. Cassie P's the bullet in <laughs> Mario Kart. I especially no, like that part Cassie about... Cassie P's the, the star. Do, 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 yeah, do, do, do. about Lysander. So that, that was great. Yes. And... Thank you. I am honored to be Raylar. <laughs> I have done nothing to earn it. <laughs> I learned this week that it's Kavoth and not Kavothe. Oh, like, how are you saying it? Well, it's funny. In the book, someone says his name Kavothi, mm-hmm. and that's kind of in my head because mm-hmm. I'm not doing audiobook this time. I wanted to make sure I could remember how to read. <laughs> We're talking about Wise Man's Fear, by the way, if you're And that. he says it's actually both the e is silent and i was like fuck why'd that come like halfway through the second <laughs> book <laughs> maybe uh patrick realized people were saying it wrong to him maybe yeah i'm ray lar so respect ben I will, I will respect you thank you okay we've got a youtube comment that i had a, thought i had a fun question nice so yeah pull that up. this Get one's on youtube guys yeah comment on the episodes this one's from raymond he said, um, just wanted to get Ben, Aaron, and all of Red Rising fans' thoughts on a prequel series after Red God, The Fall of Earth t- to the First Golds. You were just saying that. I know. <laughs> I didn't even think about that. I'm not sure if it's been discussed before on the podcast. Well, it's been discussed now. It's being discussed. <laughs> I, Raymond, would take anything. I would I know, give me a fire yeah. hose of Pierce Brown and spray it in my face. the writing (laughs) yes i think the conquering would be great i think the conquering and then like we talked about the moon lord rebellion would probably be my top two yeah but i'd also like to see like the adventures of lauren al arcos i'd I'd like to see the the valkyrie spires the rise and fall of Elias Snow Sparrow. Yeah, the first revolt that would also be a, a really good one. Oh yeah. Yeah. We got a lot to cover. Yes. I mean, we need a full on Red Rising lore book. I mean, mm-hmm. it needs Just to happen. Just give us a little short story. The world of Red Rising. We would help, Pierce. Um, let us know. I know you listen. I'd be like, everyone lives happily ever. <laughs> yeah. Uh, should we do one more? Let's do an yes. email. Do we have? By a- the way. Keep sending your stuff in. We've got a lot. So I tried to keep it to, you know, two or three per episode, but we will have a full-on Howler mailbag at the end where we'll clear out the whole email, voicemail, everything. So keep sending your stuff in. Try to mix in, you know, new people and stuff like that. So I really appreciate everything that you're getting sent in. Do try to keep the episodes to like a manageable (laughs) length. (laughs) All right. This one's from Jake. Uh, Jake in Spokane, Washington. So this Close is a to Heather. this is a Washington themed episode. Yes. Here. Yes. Let's see. He said greatly enjoy the segments, the breakdowns, and the tidbits from Cassie P. Hell yeah, Cassie P. Um, you earned five stars from me. No need to scoop my eyeballs out with a spoon, Aaron. Okay. <laughs> Good if you job. say so, Jake. <laughs> yeah, we'll be checking those reviews for your <laughs> name, <laughs> Jake. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> 
<laughs> uh, he said, I just listened to episode 105 and has some thoughts. I think Octavia used the pandemonium chair on Atlas when he was younger. And that is where his dedication to the society comes from. I just can't believe that any raw or Mooney would be that fucking dedicated to the core society. See, this is me and Jake's conspiracy. You guys quarter. are mind melding on this. Yes. yes. Uh, especially during the reign of a moon burning tyrant. Octavia, she's been brain diddling people for a hot minute. Next, I think Screwface is going to help save Severo's soul. Before he gets a chance to reunite with Victra, Screwface welcomes him to a revived Howlers with fucking Valdir and shares his story and gives Severo some perspective and some much needed commiserating. I like that a yeah. lot. Good, good call, Jake. Last, I think the eat me is not what bitch gender thinks it is. <laughs> its true purpose is to revert a color back to homo sapien, maybe oh. in the next generation or something. It's a fail safe if the hierarchy ever needed to be reset. Bitch Sander thinks he's doing one thing, but inadvertently he sets the whole damn hierarchy to, to level the playing field. What Daryl was fighting for the entire time. Whoa. Ooh, that's kind of a fun idea. Well, then idea. Cassie shouldn't have fucking died for I that. do feel like there's something more to the Eden Me that it's not just going to be like this one and one. It's either not going to work or, or it it's works fake, on whoever or, deploys it. Yeah, something's, something's tricky. Like, oh, you want to kill everyone? You're dead. Yeah. I like those. Good. Thanks, Jake. Thank those. you for writing in. Yes. Thank you, Jake. All right. You know what it's time for? What are we into this week? Aaron, what are you into this week? I've been seeing a lot of movies because I'm in my seasonal effectiveness disorder <laughs> stage of January. It's been January. very cold here in Kansas City. <laughs> so I'm like, <laughs> I need to watch movies to remain <laughs> a functioning human. The first one, though, uh, I'm going to say two movies. Okay. May, December with Natalie Portman mm -hmm. is it's a dark story. Yes. But the movie's like very artsy and uh, great acting. Mm -hmm. You can watch it on Netflix for free if you have Netflix mm -hmm. or someone's password. But what was what's crazy about that movie, and it's very depressing, but is that like it's based on a true story. So then like, you know, then I spent the next week reading about uh, the yeah. true story, mm -hmm. which I that's like, always fun vaguely had remembered so it's it's definitely a um mind fuck and it's natalie portman's always in these like kind of creepy movies you know yeah. where she she's creepy she's uh, a great actress so yeah. i loved it and then on a different note i went and saw mean girls the musical the musical the movie because mm -hmm. there is a mean girls broadway uh, yeah, musical the movie musical the movie musical i think I went with a bunch of girls. Some of them hated it. And like, I can see why I personally loved it because of the like nostalgia of mean girls one, mm -hmm. you know, it's definitely different. And it, you know, I, I don't love the songs from the musical. And I, my main criticism is that the movie music was like so overproduced that it didn't look like they were actually singing, mm -hmm. even though they are all actually singing. Those are all their real voices. Mm -hmm. They kind of like, it looked like they were lip syncing, like, yeah. you know, cause all the auto tune and I don't know, layers they threw in. It's right. like, just give it a little more rawness. So I feel like <laughs> the voices in the room at least yeah, you know, yeah. piped in, but it's really fun. If you love 
Mean Girls original, then I think you would have fun watching it. Like, you know, it it left me in a good mood. So mm-hmm. a fun little little thing. Maybe wait till it's free. <laughs> 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 I spent like twenty bucks on a ticket, which for here is a little a little overpriced. Yeah. Anyways, Ben, are you into a movie? I'm into a TV show. Okay. It's on Amazon Prime. I watched the second season of Reacher. Have you heard about this show? Do you know anything about no. it? No. Uh, so it's based I've on... I've seen it. I haven't seen it. Yeah. I've seen the cover. It's based on a set of like novels, like a, lo- a big set of novels about this character named Jack Reacher. There's been... like Tom Cruise had Jack Reacher movies. Anyway, Jack oh, Reacher is like this like army guy that roams the United States of America and like helps people out that are in need. He gets always gets mixed up in these like big conspiracies and then he's like beating people up and all this stuff. So it's pretty much that with Great. this like big Action. fucking house of a white guy uh, playing the role of Jack Reacher and he does it really well because Jack Reacher is just like this very pure like straight ahead this is wrong. I'm going to fix it and I'm going to beat a bunch of people up on the way. And nice. I don't know. It was a fun show to like work out to. <laughs> uh, oh, you would watch. He's like very jacked. Like, Hell yeah, brother. <laughs> yeah. So, uh, I don't know. It's a, like a good kind of like popcorn TV show. Sure. You yeah. don't have to think too deeply about it. Nice. Uh, so I, I did it. I enjoyed the first season too. So I think they're both worth checking out. Mm-hmm. Uh, and that guy mm-hmm. is fucking huge. Uh, well, I need to check him out. Yeah, I think you would like him a lot. <laughs> just based on what I know <laughs> about <laughs> your taste. <laughs> based on Henry Cavill. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Great. Uh, all right. What's coming up next week on HowlerPod? Lightbringer reread chapter 63 to 70. Chapter 63 through 70, our final four episodes. Coming I will up. tell you that we have special guests planned for the final three. Wow. So me and Aaron next week, and then we'll have a special guest every week after that. Those are going to be super fun. Getting exciting. Yes. We're getting so close. Clang, clang, clang is almost here. I can oh, hear it now. It's like exciting, and I'm sad that it's we're almost <laughs> to the end of the book. I want it to go on forever. Okay, Howlers. Special thanks to Miles for the episode art. File, follow Miles on Instagram at Mbensky Designs. Special thanks to Nick Brenlow for the fucking kick-ass voice work this week. Passion, energy, more passion, incredible, more energy. Subscribe to our YouTube channel to see Ben and me. Follow us <laughs> at HowlerPod, Instagram, Twitter, Facebook, Etsy. Email us. For the Howler mailbag at HowlerPod at gmail.com. Voicemail is 1-800-516-1540. Find links to all this at HowlerPod.com. Subscribe to the YouTube channel and spread the word about these books. And read the comic books if you hadn't. And rate and review us five stars only. If you don't give us five stars only, then we'll we'll dangle your father above a magma pool. <laughs> And be like, I love that it's not them. Surrender. It's, it's their dad. Yeah. yeah. You'll be like, oh no, dad. <laughs> You're, we're going to be like, give us that five star review. Start <laughs> so better, better do it. Your dad's dangling. All right. Thanks, Howlers. Omnisphere Lupus. Ow. Ow.